Revelation chapter 2, and we're looking at the church today. One time I went on a seminar. Uh, they sent me on a seminar, of which I was absolutely confused. By the time I got done, I knew probably less than I'd started with. But it was a very deep seminar concerning how to establish a curriculum. Now, if anybody's teaching in here, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's a tall order to establish a curriculum, to begin from the beginning and begin to write up a curriculum. David knows what I'm talking about. It's huge. And they went through this stuff, and I just sat there, kind of blank stare, you know, the whole time. But I remember one part of it. They said, one part of that establishment must be the evaluation. You must have a designated form of evaluation. The evaluation has to be credible. Why? Because, well, because some kids don't learn. And so you've got to be able to recognize those that do and those that don't. Well, today, as far as the church is concerned, we're dealing with evaluation. Someone who stands in the midst and and determines what is going on and and whether what is going on is aligned with His will or or what is going on is, is something that more aligns with their will. Like their will be done rather than the Lord's. And so... Uh, that's what we're looking at in the Revelation chapter number 2 as we look at these seven churches. And there were a lot of churches in Asia Minor at that time. These were real churches, these seven churches. And, and the Spirit of God, God the Father, desired to use these seven churches. And He began to critique. He began to look. And, and so as we look and we see what God is looking for, we can more understand what He's looking for here. In this local gathering, in this church, the Word of God is very clear. Where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. And so, He's here today in the midst, and, 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 and He's watching things that are going on. Not in the midst of a camp, you know, or, or a hospital, or, 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 or even a Bible school. I love Bible school. That... That was a really exciting time in my life when I went up to Chicago and went to Bible school. But it doesn't say Bible school, does it? Those are all wonderful works. But he died for his bride. He shed his blood for his bride, the church. Not his bride, the Bible school. Or the Bible camp, even. He shed his blood for the bride, the church. And we'll be presented to Him holy and and, and, and white garments. And and we'll be arrayed behind Him to march behind Him, so to speak, in triumph. Is it important to be here? Hmm. It it seems that that if He's in the midst of the church, uh, the, the, the working moving body of Christ, every local gathering, he's in the midst of that gathering and analyzing what's going on. Well, it seems very important that, well, maybe we should be here. And yet it amazes me sometimes all the little things that get in the way of being here. There's a man that I pick up in the mornings. 
And if he could, he, 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 I, I think he'd live here, Mr. Grace. I think it was last week when, when he, he got in my car and, and he had his little pack that he carries. And he had his little air thing in his nose where he could constantly get oxygen because, because he could barely breathe. We get a little... Uh, you know, I think I got a little sniffle today. I better not go. I need to, I need to pamper myself. You know? And, and there's the Lord in the midst. Where's so-and-so today? You think the Lord don't know? <laughs> he knows. Oh, I think it's important to be here. If it's that important to the Lord of glory, it should be that important to us. If it's that important that He would bleed and die for the very existence of the church, the bride of Christ, well, it seems that that would be important for us to be here. Chapter number 2 and verse number 1. We deal with the church of Ephesus. Ephesus. Much is said about this church. As we learn uh, from the book of Acts, Acts 18 through 20, we'll learn a lot about the church of Ephesus as we go by. But this is the analysis of the book of Ephesus. It says, Under the, the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labors, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and, 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 has, and, and has borne and has patience for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hast hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. To the churches, to him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. This is the only of the seven churches where an apostle is mentioned. This is what it would be considered an apostolic church. John himself, the writer of the Revelation, was very much involved in this particular church in Ephesus. It was in Asia, what we now call Turkey. And, and there were many churches that were established in that particular area. More than these seven that we, we see here. But John was very much involved. And it, and it even seems from, from historical accounts now that after John spent this time in Patmos, this island, that he was uh, born away into this island, that he went back to Ephesus. And so we have every reason to believe that, that what he warned them of, that they had lost their first love, that, that 
whatever needed to be exhorted to them was exhorted to them by John and, and probably was rectified. And this church went on very well for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was probably the largest of the churches in Asia Minor. It was the one that everyone seemed to look to because it, it seemed to be going very, very well. And from the outside looking in, uh, uh, without the, the ability to have eyes of fire like the Lord Jesus Christ, you would have looked at it and said, everything's going perfect. That's what we need to emulate. That's who we need to be like. The church is Ephesus. There was great evangelism that was going on. I, I, think, it, I think it bears out in the Word of God that, that, that and, and mostly Jewish Mostly the nation of, of Israel, these apostolic churches, these beginning churches, as they went out and they, they, they evangelized the whole world. You know, it starts with the nation of Israel. And, and they took the, the Great Commission very, very seriously. And they went out. It started with the nation of Israel. Strangely enough, it's going to end with the nation of Israel. The Revelation chapter 7 Deals with 144,000. And that is the nation of Israel. And there's going to be uh, those saved in a way that has never been seen before. So it starts with the nation of Israel. And it ends with the nation of Israel. Was the world evangelized? Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. These people did amazing things. And they didn't have telephones. They didn't have jet planes. They didn't have all the advantages that, that we have. But they did amazing things. 10 and verse 15. And how shall they preach? Except they be sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, the Lord who hath believed, our, who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have you not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went out into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the earth. And so these apostolic churches, these beginning churches, they took seriously the commission of God. And they went out. Now, I tell you, there's some churches that we'll deal with as we go through these seven churches that it's better off leaving the door shut. It's a sign of a, of a mature group of individuals who gather under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that the doors are open and they go out. But if there's so many problems from within, then don't go out. Why? Because the world's going to look at all the problems that you have within and they're going to recognize, oh, you're a bunch of hypocrites is what you are. You can't get your own house in order. Why are you trying to establish mine? It was a sign of a mature church, a mature body of believers when they go out and begin to evangelize the world. You want to see a dead church? It's when the doors are closed. I know of a few. I've, 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 even, I've even visited a few. And, I, and I'm, being, I'm not prodding as far as being you know, uh, you know, nasty to them or anything. But I ask him, why not? Well, we tried that. We tried going out in the neighborhood. We, well, we tried that. You know, all the, 
bring people in, bring it, it, it just doesn't work. Man. It was an earmark of the Ephesian church. They went out. There were those who went out and they took very seriously the commission of the Lord. Romans chapter 16 is another one. We go there real quickly. Romans chapter 16 and verse number 26. And it says, But now is made manifest by the Scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known all, to all the nations for the obedience of the faith. To God, uh, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. In other words, they made known the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an activity of the mature believer. Let me explain why. Because in order to go out, let's take our own personal witness. We have people that we work with. We have people that we commune with on a daily basis. In order for us to reach out with the gospel, we've got to put ourselves aside. And that's why it's an activity of the mature believer. When they finally realize, you know what, I am not central place in this universe. You know, we're born that way, aren't we? I mean, when you're a child, you, you grab any of my grandchildren over there. You think the world isn't surrounded? I mean, just isn't there for their, their beckoning call, so to speak? That's the way they live. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And, and hopefully with the maturity as we, as we walk and try to and conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, these kinds of things pull out. And when they pull out, then evangelism comes in because we start looking at other people rather than seeing ourselves. You see how it's an earmark of the mature believer. And so, listen, you, you want to analyze where you are with the Lord. You walk in the workplace. I'm a secret Christian. I'm undercover. You know, these guys don't even know. They don't even know. And, and, and you may mention something, something and, and you may get this. I, yeah, you ever get this? You ever hear these people come along and they say, Oh, you're a Christian? So am I. Oh, two secret Christians. They're both undercover. They've been found out, you see. But not the Ephesians. Because they were being pounded on and beat on and fed to lions. And, 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 and they, they would strip the, the cloth off their back and they would whip them and whip them. Let me tell you, you take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in that day, you're going to be a serious Christian. And that's exactly the way the Ephesians were. They were serious Christians. And, and so they had it going on, so to speak. There, there were things going on within uh, the church of Ephesus that were, that were uh, earmarks of real life in Christ. And anyone that looked in could say, man, they've really got it going on. They've got this program and that program. And they've got this uh, activity and that activity. and They've really got it going on. And they're the one in the midst... Who, who, who uh, with the eyes of fire, you see, is able to look into the heart and he sees something slightly different. He sees a propensity. Something is happening. Something is happening. Something is happening that wasn't happening before. And he says this, I want you back. You've left your first love. Now, let me try to put this in perspective. There's lots of ways 
that, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ could have given this. He could have said this. You know, you're doctrinally incorrect. You have taken the Lord Jesus Christ out of His rightful place as head of the church and you have placed yourself as head of the church. He could have said that. But He said, you left your first love. Why did He say that? He said it because the Lord Jesus Christ was standing off to the side and, and, and wanting so deeply to, 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 to have that communion that was so evident when they first became saved. They first became saved and they were, they were on fire for the Lord and, and, and they wanted to sit down and, and not trying to get together a message or, or get together something for the young people. Or get, they just wanted to sit down and commune with the Lord, fellowship with the Lord, love the Lord, and the Lord returned that love back. You've left your first love. When I was up at Emmaus, I met Marilyn. She's here. kind of wish she wasn't. She's here. <laughs> now, in Chicago, it's very, very cold. I don't know if you know this. And Brian, boy, Brian really knows what I'm talking about. But, but I used to live, uh, you know, in the boys' dormitory across the park, right? Across the park. So, so, so after I, you know, we began to see each other. And, and all under the guise, of course, of studying together. Of course, we were studying together. I was only studying her, I think. <laughs> and we, you know, we sit on the couch. We, we just sit in that little uh, Lindstrom lounge or whatever that other lounge is. And we just sit on the couch and we just look at each other. <laughs> that was so wonderful. And it didn't matter how cold it was. I mean, it could have been blowing uh, 40 mile an hour wind, snow sleeting. You think I'm going to sit over there in the boys' dorm and call her up and say, oh, a little too cold this morning, can't make it. And there was nothing going to keep me from being over there. And once I got over there in the morning, Brian knows all about this. He could be say, hey, man, hey, man. You know, because he went to the old campus. That's how old that guy is. You, you talk about old. Now, he's really old, you know. He's went to the old campus. So I get over there, and we just sit on the couch, and we had this assignment in Emmaus that we had to read through the Bible. The whole Bible. Now, I'm not a great reader, you know. So we read through together. What a delight. We spent time together. That's all I wanted to do. You know, oh, Aaron, come on in the gym and play basketball. <laughs> that was last month before I met her. You know? Not anymore. That's what the Lord's saying. He's saying, what happened? I, I love just being with you and, and, and communing with you. And, and now, you, you seem so busy. You have all these programs and and all good things, all good things. He, he notes their works. The, the word works there means work to exhaustion. And so he notes their works. He notes the works of every one of the churches. Some one in a bad tone, but he notes all their works. It's great works, you know. But they left their first love. And their first love so wanted to be brought back in again. Back into the fold. Can a church do that? Oh, boy. Huh. You know, we can dethrone the Lord Jesus Christ by our very actions. 
And, and we become so, so wrapped up in our methodology and our, and our programs and, and how well we run. We even write manuals on them. You know, here's, here's a manual. How to start a youth program. Look at here. You just got to do it. Step one, step two, step right on down the line. And you'll have yourself a youth program. Lost it, haven't we? We've lost it because the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, becomes dethroned to our own abilities. I've got this down to a fine art. When you first start out and you begin to formulate a church, bring people together and all that, oh, they're so dependent upon the Lord. Every day you're down on your knees. You're absolutely dependent upon the Lord. But as you become to get to the point where you're perfecting it, oh, Lord, please. We've got this down now. And that's exactly what the church of Ephesus was doing. I need to get on. Or I'm not going to be able to cover hardly anything. I say work is important. Work is important. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to go here. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go here. Very, very familiar, obviously. Very, very familiar portion. But I just, I feel led. I've got to go here and just look at this real quick. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 2. You know it, you know it by heart. For by grace you are saved through faith. And, and, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, we, we tend to stop there, and, and, and then we don't read verse number 10. And so I, I just don't want to leave you with the impression that, that works are not important. Works are absolutely important. Works are, 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 are something that the, the one in the midst, the Lord Jesus Christ, He notes in every one of the churches, right on down through the line. So they're important. They're very, very important. And it says in verse number 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's the hard part. Richard DeHaan said it this way, To come to Christ costs nothing. To follow Christ costs something. To serve Christ costs everything. And that's where it lands. It cost everything. And so the Ephesian church was asked to, to go back to the first place. Um, let me find where I'm referring to. Yes, verse number four and last. Thy first love, and then a chapter, verse number five, the first works. You see, sometimes we can caught up, get caught up in the second and the third and, and the fourth and the fifth and, and all those things, and, and yet the Lord keeps wanting to bring us back, bring us back to Himself, back to Himself, because anything we do, if we think we're, we are doing it and, and we are really good at it, then it's for nothing. It's a dunghill, is what it is. It's got to be done in the power of the head. Of the church, the one who stands in the midst. To him be the glory then forever and ever. Amen. Not to us be the glory. And that's, that's where, when I go through all seven churches, that seems to be, to me, the overriding theme is to keep the head the head. And don't let yourself 
move into his God-given position as head. And when we do, there is always, not sometimes, it sometimes works, doesn't, no, it always does not work. When we begin to practice and take the place of the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Smyrna. And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works. There it is again. And tribulation and poverty. But thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. The church of Ephesus was persecuted terribly, and there was unbelievable persecution. And, and, and there weren't any faint-hearted Christians. There weren't, you, you couldn't sit there and, and go into the church of Ephesus and say, oh, you bunch of hypocrites. Whoa. Pretty hard to do there. But even more so in the church of Smyrna. For they were really persecuted. They were really asked to give in accordance with their faith. There was a man named Polycarp, and, and he was one of the elders or bishops in that particular church, and, and he was looked to by, by churches all around in Asia. He was, he was seen, his testimony was really, really strong, and he was discipled by John the Apostle himself. And I want you to notice something really quickly while I just remembered this. John the Apostle could have easily said, well, hmm, I'm the last apostle standing. And he was. He was the last of the apostles. And, and, and men could have revered him and, and given him some sort of a, a, a high standing, some sort of a lofty place, uh, having such a, a, re, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this is what he says, chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother. Isn't that amazing? And he goes on and says, says, in companion and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ. In other words, I, I, listen, I, I'm no better than you. I'm no worse. We're in it together. He doesn't bring himself up. Remember where he's writing from? He's writing from a cold old dungeon on an island forgotten named Patmos. In fact, historians tell us that during the day, he at the, at, at the prime age of about 90 years old was, was made to go out and do hard labor all day long. God gave him the grace to do that. And at night he was brought back into his cell and he, and he came back, but he wasn't ever alone. Because the Lord was there. The Lord began to speak to him. That's what we have in these seven churches. He discipled Polycarp. And Polycarp 
dodged the Romans for just so long. And, and, and even those in the church of Smyrna would take Polycarp and, and, and they would hide him away in a farm. And, and then the, the, the Romans would catch wind of that. And, and so they, they would hide him away in another farm. And, and finally Polycarp said, whoa, 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 whoa. Forget this whole thing. I'm not moving. And so this godly man took a pot full of food and he threw it on his little stove in this farmhouse that he ended up in and and he laid his head down on a pillow and he went to sleep knowing full well that the Roman government was right on his heels. When the Roman soldiers bust into the door and expected all kinds of uh, opposition to their being there, he there was Polycarp, and Polycarp said, Come on over, come on over, guys. You're probably hungry. I made this for you. Figuring it to be his, his last opportunity to witness to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, sit down and, and, and have something to eat. He wanted to make sure that they were comfortable. He began to tell them about the Lord. He said, Listen. Can you please allow me to, to pray for one hour? And Polycarp bowed his head and he began to pray. And he knew so many, so many in amongst the churches of Asia. And, and he began to pray. And he was probably praying for those soldiers too as they were sitting there. To the point where when, when, when they knew they, they, that his hour was up and they needed to take him, they did not want to take him. But they took him. Laid him in a, put him into a, a large amphitheater and they said, basically, we don't want to kill you. Just simply denounce the Lord Jesus Christ and throw your allegiance in with the Roman emperor. There was silence. He would not. They said again, Sir, please, please, just denounce your allegiance to the Lord and put your allegiance with the emperor. And Polycarp said this, These 86 Years And it's well documented. I have served my master. He has been faithful to me. Should I now at the last blaspheme him? And they said, but we'll have to burn you at the stake. He said this. I will face this fire for now. Those who know not the Savior will face a fire that never stops burning. Now, history has it this way, and it's documented. I don't know how accurate. I can't really vouch for it. It's not the Word of God. But they laid the wood at His feet, and they had preparations to tie Him to, at the stake. And He said, no, 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 you need not tie. And He went willingly and stood at the stake. And when they lit the, the wood underneath him, as the flame, it says, rose up around him and bowed around him. 
And there were all these dignitaries that were gathered. These, these bloodthirsty dignitaries were gathered to see this man die as the morbid self that we are in our own man. And, and here the flame was rising up around him. And, and finally a soldier so mad that this flame was not touching him rose up out of his seat, took a dagger, and jammed it into Polycarp's body. It says that his blood flowed so much. This is just history now. That it put out the fire. And they ended up burying him there in the pile of wood. Satan had a strategy. And under the last ten emperors that ruled in Rome, his strategy was to scare them out of their faith, you see. Satan is just like you and me. There's a learning curve. We don't know everything. He doesn't know everything either. He's, he's not as dumb as I am, that's for sure. He's very, very smart. And he picks up on things very, very fast. But he's not, not omniscient like God. We always give him too much, you know. He's got to learn too. And so he thought that he could scare these Christians into denouncing their faith, go back to their gods which surrounded them in these cities, in the city of Ephesus, in the city of Smyrna, uh, Philadelphia, all these gods that surround You'll go back. You'll be so scared you'll go back and that'll be the end of that. That did not happen. History tells us that after Polycarp's death, there were literally millions who came and wanted to align themselves with this faith because there was reality in this faith. It was real. It was something to, to live for because it was obviously something to die for. If they'll die for it, it must be worth living for. And the people, instead of turning in fear and running, they turned and went to it. It was gravitating is what it was. And it changed the whole outlook of, of Asia at that time. There is no condemnation given in regards to Smyrna. Only this and Philadelphia, the two, that there is no condemnation given. Now here these people were. I want you to see this scene. These people are being beaten, uh, beaten right to death. They're being fed to lions. They put them in with wild beasts, wild dogs, wild lions, all kinds of beasts that they could get together. And they throw them in there and they sit and watch. And it was like it was like a football game, you know. This is great. And this is what was happening with these individuals. And so when when the Lord Jesus Christ, who's there in the midst of this church. He sees the suffering church and he does not condemn. No condemnation. But something very odd. There's no rescue either. You, you see what that does? Why, that just flies in the face of modern religiosity and Christianity, a supposed Christianity. When they sell health and wealth gospel, right? Oh man, if you if you if you, if you align yourself and, and and get yourself right with the Lord, He's going to make you wealthy and He's going to make you healthy. And if you're not healthy, why? Must be your fault. Something you've done. You're off base. You're off channel with the will of God. You get yourself on base with the will of God, and, and you're going to get healthy. Look at what it says. 
It says this. Fear none of those things. Verse number 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. It doesn't say, fear none of those things. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. Hang in there for a little while. Your rescue's on the way. The Calvary's coming. No, it says, fear not those things for those things that you shall suffer. You are going to suffer them. Let's go on. Maybe it's just that you're suffering a little and, and then there's going to be rescue. Uh, behold, the devil casts some into prison and, and ye may be tried and, and ye shall uh, have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful. Whoa, wait, wait a second. Wait a second now, Lord. You, no, 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 please. You couldn't say that. Be thou faithful unto death. Wow. What is the Lord asking? He's saying, I see... I know. I can empathize with your pain. I've been there, done that. The Lord can actually say that. And, 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 and I am not going to rescue you. You are only going to be rescued by death. And ultimately ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that? So when you hear these people with this health and wealth kind of message, and they're telling you that, well, well, if you do, you do so, such, 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 the Lord's going to bless you, the Lord's he's promised to bless you and all that stuff. Why don't we? There wasn't one word of condemnation on this church. Not one word of condemnation. It, 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 it was all encouragement when it came to this church. Hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there unto... Death. It'd be nicer to put it some other way, right? It'd be be more natural. It'd be be a little more in line with what I think as a... And the Lord uh, came down into Smyrna and He relinquished the, the Roman government and spread them out and cast them off in fear. And they stood and they had peace forevermore. Hang in there. Unto death. And ye shall have tribulation. Ten days. I don't know what that ten days means. Try to find it. Try to figure it out. Somebody coming to me after a meeting. I've gotten a number of suggestions. They just don't, don't seem right to me. I, I can't. So if you have a good suggestion on that, maybe you can share that with me. Ten days, and I will give thee the crown of life. And we have those crowns in Revelation chapter 4. And and, and what do we do with those crowns? We we, we simply take those crowns of which we've been given. uh, uh, And and you talk about crowns. I mean, this church in Smyrna, can you imagine the crowns that they're going to be given? And they're going to cast them at the Lord Jesus Christ's feet. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Second death, because Revelation chapter 20 says that when those who have rejected the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ in this lifetime, they die. That's once. And then when they stand at the great white throne of judgment, they die again. That's twice. 
He says to the believers in Smyrna, you're not going to worry about that. It's got nothing on you. Not easy messages for the church, are they? I mean, it's, it's, it's not comfortable. It, it, the Lord doesn't say, well, you know what? Uh, you're over 50 group. You need, you need to get a little more real with your over 50 group. You know, we need to get our act together. Maybe, maybe you need to be a little leader there. You know? they're, not, they're just not able to really relate to what's being said by the leader. Let's change up leaders in your over 50 group. You know, that little thing in your church. And, and, and it, no, do you hear anything like that? No. No. All it centers around is, is, is when you become uh, to where you think you're all that, then you take the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you say, can you please stand over there? Just stand over there for a little while. We got this thing down. Relax. We'll take care of it. And church after church after church, there's some really serious problems, some of these church, really serious problems. There's no condemnation for Smyrna. There's no condemnation for Philadelphia. And in my mind, there's very little condemnation for Ephesus. I believe they straighten out their act. I believe they got back to their first love. We'll continue on into Pergamos. And what happens in Pergamos is, is that Satan has been using this, this strategy of, of torture, of Christians being fed to animals, wild beasts, and, and it was not working. He said, okay, let's change. Let's change this thing all up. And he really does. And I'm going to explain that as we go through, Perg- uh, as we go through Pergamos uh, this evening. And we'll try to get into We're not, maybe not going to be able to cover all the churches, but we're going to cover the major ones, the ones that uh, I think are, are major. We might have to skip a little bit as far as some of the other ones. So we'll gather this evening and we'll continue on our studies as to how the Lord Jesus Christ views the church. He's standing in the midst and he's watching everything that's going on. And the leadership in the church, this will set the hair on the back of your head standing right up. He's watching very, very closely as to what's going on. And so let's pray. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the Word of God. We realize, our Father, that it doesn't say what we want it to say sometimes. It's not as comfortable to us. It, It makes us squirm a little in our seats. But it is the Word of God. And that someday, Father, we recognize, someday the trump's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and we who remain are going to be caught up to be with the Lord. Not just for a period of time, but... Forever, forever with the Lord. And all those believers in Smyrna that that were suffering so, suffering, suffering so in ways that we cannot even imagine, they're all in the presence of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ right now, praising as they ought, giving Him His rightful place, not just for time, but for all eternity. Oh, Father, we, we, we look forward to that day standing before Him at last. Trials and troubles all past. Crowns at His feet we will cast. Jesus is coming again. Help us, Father. Mobilize us 
to carry out Your will. Mobilize us to make sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is supremely in control here at Boulevard Bible Chapel. Not man, not program, not intellect, but the omniscient Lord Jesus Christ knows all, is all-powerful. We give You thanks in the name of Thy precious Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.